I believe that God has got a word in season for us as a church community, and I'm excited to preach that. So let's get right into it. Is that okay? Can we get right into it? Awesome. They've already started my clock, so we're getting right into it, whether we like it or not. Good job, tech team. Can we put it up for our tech team? They're killing it this morning, all doing a great job. Shout them out in the chat this morning. We're going to be reading from the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 5. This is a very well-known scripture, very famous scripture. Uh, If you've been in church for five minutes, you've probably heard um, something paraphrased around this scripture, and it's all about the Beatitudes, Um, you know, the Beatitudes that Jesus uh, speaks to his uh, followers uh, up on a mountaintop, and we're going to read a couple verses. I'll be reading out of the message translation because I just love the way that it captures the essence of what Jesus is saying. And so we're going to be reading from uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, and uh, let's read it together. It'll come up on your screen. It already... Tech team... Killing the game today. When Jesus saw, verse 1, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside and those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and His ruling. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God, for His food and drink is the best meal you will ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you yourselves will be cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. Hello, somebody. That's why, that's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. That's a timely word. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens, give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do. And all of heaven applauds and you know that you are in good company. My prophets 
and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Wow. What a powerful collection of scripture that I think you could literally preach a sermon on every line. Uh, But we're going to do our best today to unpack that this morning. And for those that are taking notes, and I pray you are taking notes, because as we all know, those that take notes are 90% more likely to get into heaven. That's not true at all, by the way, but um, it's just a good throwaway line. But my sermon title this morning, because we're in a bit of a battle, aren't we, church? We're in a bit of a battle at the moment. We've got a lot of things going on. The Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and evil. There's a battle going on. Anyone that doesn't think that's a little bit naive. We're, there's a battle going on. And it may look different for each and every one of us. But my sermon title this morning is Blessed in the Battle. Blessed in the Battle. Uh, so I want to preach to you this morning about blessed in the battle out of these few verses of the famous Beatitudes. But can we pray one more time, church? Can you join with me online to pray that God would speak, that it wouldn't be my words? God, we pray that these would be your words, that it wouldn't just be my uh, intellect or thoughts, but they would be divine spoken words from the throne room of heaven that would impact people's lives, that would impact the kingdom of God for the good in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Awesome. Have you ever climbed a mountain? Has anyone in the room ever climbed a mountain? Georgia, Thomas has climbed a mountain. A few other people yet, Sam and Laura giving the head nod yet. I've climbed a mountain. Um, Maybe it was Mount Arapiles or... I don't know, Mount Zero, Mitre Rock. Not that Mitre Rock's really a mountain, really, is it? It's, it's a rock, it's not a mountain. Um, but, you know, then there's Mount Everest. Put it in the chat if you've climbed Mount Everest. We'll, uh, you know, we'll, uh, yeah, good on you. Um, I certainly have not. I've climbed the pinnacle. I've done that. I've climbed Hall's Gap, shout out. Um, shameless plug, school holidays, there you go. Go climb the pinnacle. Uh, did you know, little, see, we don't just, we don't just, we don't just bring divine revelation. We do that, but we also teach, right? We give a bit of education. The pinnacle is 9.6 kilometres. I don't know if that's just up or if that's up and down. I don't know. Google didn't specify that, but there you go. You can do your own research at home. Um, but I remember the first time I climbed the pinnacle at Hall's Gap, and uh, it was for a school trip. Uh, it was for a, I was uh, working as a chaplain, at a school, and I was there helping supervise. Um, that's concerning in and of itself. Um, but I remember I did not want to be there. It was hot. It was, it was just not, it was not enjoyable. I don't really enjoy hikes, climbing mountains. It's not something I do for fun. And uh, maybe you can relate to me this morning. But, um, but what made it worse is that I remember I sat down uh, sort of halfway up, we sat down for a break, and I put, you know, you put your hands down, and sort of lean back and relax, and I put my hand down, and to make the whole situation worse, I get bitten by an ant, but not just any ant, this is like a big ant, man, it was a big ant that bit me on the hand, and I just made the whole situation worse, I didn't want to be there, I was salty as, I did not want to be there, but, you know, as everyone always says, you get to the top, and oh, it's all worth it, you know, for the view, It's all worth it for the view. It's like, yeah, for like two seconds, and then you remember that you have to climb down. 
Anyway, anyway, this, I'm, not, I'm ranting now, I need to stop, it's about God. But the point I'm trying to make is that climbing a mountain, you know, it's not, it takes effort. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. You'll put one step forward in front of the other and when you're tired, you climb this mountain. And you're probably wondering, well, how does this relate to Jesus? How does this relate to what we're talking about? But, you know, before Jesus started teaching, the famous Beatitudes that have shaped so much of Christianity and our journey with Christ... Before he did that, he asked the disciples and his followers to climb a mountain with him. And I find it so interesting that it says, when Jesus, this is verse 1, it says, Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds. And I love the fact that in the midst of huge crowds and in the day, probably something similar to fame and celebrity and status and, and um, attention, Jesus was not phased by the crowd. Jesus' priority and his attention wasn't necessarily on the crowd, but was on those that were committed to him and wanting to learn from him. And he said, hey, those of you that are committed, come with me up this mountain and I'm going to bring you some revelation. And I want to ask this morning, are we willing, are we going to be someone that's just in the crowd watching Jesus and the disciples and the followers climb up the mountain? Or are we going to be someone that is right behind Jesus climbing up this mountain with him? I find it funny that before Jesus brings revelation, there's an expectation of commitment. There's, there's an expectation of, of commitment and decision. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, even when you lead me to walk up a mountain that I don't want to walk up. It's uncomfortable. The, the New King James Version says, he went up on a mountain. And the, next, the next verse says, those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. I think one of the the key things when we're facing a battle in our life, when we're facing a battle, is, is asking ourselves, am I still committed to Jesus or have I committed myself to other things? Have other things taken the place of, of Jesus in my life? Because one of the blessings, if not the blessing, is the fact that we have the privilege of, of getting to chase after Jesus. The very fact that we even have the, the opportunity to walk along with Jesus, that is in itself the blessing. Jesus was committed to the cause over being concerned about the celebrity of the crowd. Jesus was, con- was more concerned with developing his disciples for their future than delivering them from their present discomfort. To see, the disciples would have been in discomfort climbing up that mountain. You read enough stories in the Bible, the disciples went through a lot of discomfort. Jesus wasn't concerned with their immediate discomfort. He was concerned about their 
eternal development as disciples of Jesus. You're in a storm right now, he's developing you. You're in a pressure cooker right now, he's developing. He may not rescue you from that exact, exact situation, but he will certainly use it to develop something in you that you would never have been able to develop in yourself. Let's keep reading the next few verses where it's, uh, ver- the next verse says, you're, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Put these words in the chat this morning if you're watching. Put the words, you're blessed in the chat. You know, when I read this, I can't help but think about Job. And all that he went through, you know, if there was ever a person who was at the end of their rope, it was Job. Uh, you know, having everything stripped away from him. But Job didn't, Job didn't have much left of his own life. Which means there was plenty of room for God to show up and show off in his world. You know, some of us feel like God isn't as active in our life as we'd like to. Maybe we're in the midst of a battle right now and we feel like, Pastor Greg, you're preaching about being blessed in the battle. Well, I don't feel very blessed in the battle right now. Where's God in the midst of my battle? Where's God in the midst of my battle? I'm sure Job would have asked the same questions. But maybe, just maybe, like this verse says, when you're at the end of your rope, you are blessed because you now have the opportunity to create the room in your life that God was always meant to occupy. God's fighting for five minutes in between our busy schedule, just to get a word in. But sometimes I feel that even if we do have a spare five minutes in our day, do we spend it with God or do we spend it on social media and other things? Do we, do we, pray, do we give God what he deserves, which ultimately is our whole life? But even on a day-to-day, when we're at, maybe you, maybe you don't feel you're at the end of your rope right now. Maybe you feel, no, I'm going all right. I'm cruising. I don't know who you are, um, but good for you. Um, but maybe you feel, it, but even if that's the case, God wants time with you. We're listening to social media, the radio, the news. God, Lord, save the news. Other people's voices. Are you intentionally creating space for God to speak to you? God is saying this morning, hey, and this is what it says in the verse that we just read, less of you, less of the world, and more of me. More of me. That's the blessing that Jesus is talking about in this verse. The next verse reads, You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. This is simply saying that God is our comforter. God is our comforter. Not, some, not another relationship, not another job status, not a, another um, 
the amount of money. No, God is our comforter. God is our foundation. When we face moments of tragedy, God is there to embrace us and comfort us. He is not, he is not phased by the winds and waves of life. He's a sure foundation. You know, there's many things that we could use to build our life upon. There's many things, whether it's relationships, uh, whether it's your uh, skills and your gifts, your abilities, your talents, whether it's your finances. There's all these different things that we could use in life to be the foundation for everything that we do and everything that we are. But the thing about everything else is that none of it is a sure foundation because it changes. It changes. Your income will change over time. Your relationships will change over time. Every aspect of our life changes over time and in different situations, different circumstances. They change. And there is only one thing in this world that we have that is unchanging. And that is the Word of God. The truth and Word of God is never changing. It's never fading. It will never leave you nor forsake you. It is a sure rock that you can build your life upon. And it's not phased by the winds and waves. See, everything in life, everything else in life is, is phased by the winds and the waves. Though it'll cause other things, get cracks in them. You know, you get, you get a house with a bad foundation and a storm come through. It gets cracks and leaks and all this sort of thing. But when you build your house on a solid foundation with good materials and good craftsmanship and good advice, it will stand the test of time. And that is the Word of God. When we build our life upon the Word of God, it doesn't mean that the winds and the waves of life will never come, but it means that when they do come, we will be able to withstand them. Not by our own strength, but by the strength of that which we have built our life upon. Is that resonating with you today? He is a sure foundation. Verse 5 says, You're blessed. You are blessed when you, when you are content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself Proud owners of everything that can be bought. What Jesus is referring to here is, what is he saying when he says everything that can be bought? Because if you've got enough money, you can buy a lot of things, obviously. If you're Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or someone like that, you can buy a lot of things. You can buy NASA, basically. You could buy whatever you want. But who knows that there is something in this world that you cannot buy with any amount of money. You cannot buy this with any amount of effort, with any amount of work, um, work, any amount of trying and striving. You cannot buy this. It's, it is simply a result of what you prioritise here on earth, and that is you cannot 
purchase your eternal destination. You can't buy it. You, you don't have a piggy bank big enough to pay the bill for your eternal destination. But I want to encourage you today that someone does have a piggy bank big enough to pay the debt, the bill for our salvation. And his name is Jesus Christ. And before the world was, he was. He is the word. He was the word. He is the word. And as we build our life upon him, his word, he can pay the debt that we owe as a, as a sinner here on earth who have t- has turned our back on God. I don't know about you, but I don't look at salvation as much as... Salvation is a decision. Salvation is a a decision that we make and say, God, I'm turning my back to the ways of the world and I choose to follow Jesus. But I believe that as much as salvation is a decision, it's also a direction that we walk in every day. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in repentance and salvation every day. I don't know about you, but I'm, I need to repent every day. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just me, but I need to repent every day. I walk in a, in a we, not that I've got it all figured out, but if we have that mentality of God, I'm just walking in a mindset of, God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for what you have done for me. That is the blessing in the midst of your battle. Whatever battle you're facing, the blessing isn't that God's going to come and just dump a whole heap of money in your bank account or he's going to give you a brand new car or he's going to make your spouse stop being so annoying. No, he's not going to do that. I mean, he might. I don't know. I'm not putting limitations on God. But what I do know is, what I do know for sure is that he will be with you in the midst of whatever battle you are going through. And that is the blessing. When he's saying, you're blessed when you go through turmoil. How am I blessed by going through turmoil? The fact is, you're blessed because I'm with you in the turmoil. And you can't get through the turmoil by yourself. You can't get through the turmoil by yourself. You can't get through the trial with by yourself. You can't get through the battle by yourself. The blessing is that we, we are blessed because we get to do the trial with Jesus and he will see us through. That's the blessing. That is the blessing that he's talking about. When he said, be content with just who you are because I, he died for us as we are. He died for us as we are. He didn't say, all right, get your life right, uh, lose a bit of weight, stop, stop doing that sin, and once you've got all that sorted out, then I'll die for you, then I'll forgive you, and then we'll be sweet, right? No, he didn't say that. He said, I love you as you are. I love you as you are. And there's obviously the, there's a, the famous line, is he loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Yes, that speaks to the process of sanctification. It's called discipleship. It's called a journey. But we get to do it with Jesus in the midst of the battle. That is the blessing. Do you see what I'm trying to say this morning, church? You're blessed in the battle. And we can inherit a blessed 
eternal destination, which is far better, far better than the alternative. Verse 6 says, You are blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. His food and drink is the best meal you'll ever eat. Not a zinger box. Sorry, Xander. But the word of God, I love a zinger box, don't get me wrong. Obviously, probably one too many, but that's right. Um, the word of God. You are blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for the word of God. How's your appetite? You know, when we have a poor appetite, and I'm speaking from first-hand experience, when we have a poor appetite and we're, we're eating the bad things, we get lethargic. We get lazy. We get complacent. We don't want to do... When you've eaten... Like, who can... You know the feeling. You've eaten KFC for three nights in a row. Don't pretend you haven't done it. And you're just sitting there on the couch and you're regretting your life decisions and you're asking God to save you again from your sin. And you're sitting there and you, and you just feel so lazy and lethargic and sluggish and inactive... And it's the same when it comes to what we're feeding our spirit. If we're not feeding our spirit the right things, we will become spiritually inactive. We'll become spiritually lazy. And ultimately, if it goes on long enough, spiritually dead, which is a big concern. I believe that we have a lot of inactive Christians because we don't have a healthy appetite for God. And I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you this morning. I pray, God, increase my appetite for you today. You know, if that is our daily prayer, man, we'll be going the right direction. If our prayer is, God, increase, let me have an appetite where I'm starving for you and your word and your promises and your purposes for my life rather than filling my spirit with the things of this world and other people's opinions and whatever it may be that will end up causing us to become spiritually inactive in our faith. We need to watch what we're consuming. We need to watch what we're feeding our spirit with and our bodies, but we're talking about our spirit today because I'm not ready for that level of conviction yet. (laughs) Some people got that anyway. A Christian with a healthy appetite for God is radical. A Christian with a healthy appetite for God is mobilized. They're active. They're they're, they're putting their faith into action. They will bear good fruit. A Christian with a healthy appetite. Now, the question is, though, how do we maintain a healthy appetite for God? How do we actually, because we can't do that in our own strength. You can try your hardest with your own willpower and I'm going to stay motivated and I'm going to listen to some um, Jubilee and that's going to pump me up and I'm going to, and that may work for a week. You may get pumped up, you listen to a Stephen Furtick message and oh yeah, come on. Or maybe you listen to John MacArthur and then you're pumped up about the word because he'll get you pumped up about the word, don't worry about that. But that won't, that won't last because we're fleeting people. One day we're motivated and the next day we're not. One day we're fully um, dedicated to disciplines and, you know, all you have to do is look at New Year's resolutions. They last for about a week. And then we slip back into, 
old behavior. So how do we maintain a healthy appetite for God? And this is what I felt God say this week in preparing to bring to us this morning. The only way to maintain a healthy appetite for God is to be relentless in reminding ourselves of all that He has done for us. Daily reminding ourselves that He saved us from sin, from an eternity in torment and letting that thankfulness and gratitude of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins lead us into a hunger and desperation for the Word and the person of God. We cannot maintain a healthy appetite for God on our own strength and our own motivation, our own mental capacity. We need to remind ourselves daily of all that He has done for us. Verse 7 says, You are blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you yourself will find yourself cared for. Excuse me. Basically, what this is saying is, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. What are you sowing today? The only way to get a harvest is to sow a seed. Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't pretend to know anything about farming other than the seed has to go in the ground and you have to water, sun, some other stuff, boom, bread. Um, <laughs> that's about that's the limitation of my knowledge. But I do know that if you don't plant the seed and you expect a harvest, you're a bit of a dum-dum, for lack of a better word. Like, can we grasp that? How many of us spiritually don't sow seeds, but we expect a harvest? Or we expect a harvest from a seed that someone else has sown? When we're not willing to sow the seeds, we can't get upset when we don't see the harvest. I feel so many people, and this is me too, I've done this. So many of us get upset at God for not delivering the harvest that we thought He promised us. And we get mad at Him, but we haven't sown the seeds. We haven't sown the, the, we haven't planted the seeds and, and, and actually done our part. You sow, you reap what you sow. And in the midst of a battle, there will be distractions left, right and centre to to, to try and take our attention off the importance of sowing the seed. I want to encourage you today, sow the seed. Sow the seed. I remember that that one of my favourite messages that Pastor Andrew ever preached was about the digging, digging the, the ditch. Dig your ditch. That's, that's powerful if we can grasp that. 
Because if we don't dig the ditch, if we don't dig the well, if we don't plant the seed, we cannot expect a harvest. I need to wrap this bad boy up. We need to land this plane. So I might get the band up to join me. Verse 8 says, you're blessed when you get your inside world and your mind, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God on the outside. The Bible says that the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward, but the Lord looks on the inward. What's on the inside of you today? How's, how's, the, how's the, I love how um, Ian Hooper puts it, how's your inner man or inner woman? How, how are they going? Because at the end of the day, that's what's on the inside will come out, especially in pressurised situations. What's deep down, what's on the inside, all the muck, all the impurities, when there's pressure applied, the impurities come to the surface and when they come to the surface God is there ready to scrape them away so that they are gone for good but I want to ask you today are there things in your heart or your inner man your inner woman that God is saying to you hey that pressure that you're feeling, this situation, this battle that you're in, the blessing is that when you're in the midst of that battle, the pressure comes, those impurities come to the surface and I can take them away if you'll give them over to me. Because you could hang on to them. You could hang on to that unforgiveness. You could hang on to that bitterness. You could hang on to that addiction or whatever it is. You can, you can choose to do that. God's not going to invade your free will. Or you can choose to let it go and give it over to Him. We're going to jump down to verse 11 and 12 to finish this off this morning. I pray this has been helpful. I pray it's impacted you. I know it's impacted me. And I'm going to read these last few verses. Sorry, guys, you can leave it up, leave it up. But I'm actually going to read these last few verses out of a different translation, out of the um, ESV translation. But in the ESV, it says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How is it a blessing to be persecuted? That's what God just said. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. How is that a blessing? That doesn't make sense to my mind. And that's the answer right there. How is that a blessing? It doesn't make sense to my mind. Well, God's ways rarely make sense to my mind. We just read it before. The Bible says His ways are higher than our ways. Maybe you don't understand the situation you're in or the the battle that you're in right now or the battle that we seem to be in as a society, whatever. Pastor Andrew did such a great job at speaking into that earlier. And I encourage you to read the email that was sent out by the team But understand that the blessing is that it's not in our hands. 
it's not, it, we're not responsible. We don't have the power. It's not in our hands. You're not, respon- you're not holding the whole world in your hand. The whole world isn't resting on your shoulders. It's resting on His. And trust me when I say He can bear the weight. He can bear the burden. We cannot. And that is the blessing in the battle. We're going to pray now. You know, we're blessed in the midst. We are blessed. If you get anything out of this morning, get this. Write this down. We are blessed in the midst of the battle because we have Jesus. It's as simple as that. That is the essence of the gospel. We sinned. That sin broke connection with God. Jesus came to earth in human flesh, died on the cross as payment for our sins, rose from the dead on the third day, restored the connection between God and humanity and sent the Holy Spirit to to help us live life well. And it's because of that, because of the gospel, that we are blessed in the battle. Not because of our own ability or anything else, but because of Jesus. And I want to pray today, and maybe we can stand here in the room. I want to pray for anyone that has not received Jesus as their personal Lord and Saviour in their life. We never want to have a service, we never want to gather without giving this opportunity. Because this is it. This is the moment. Don't miss this moment. If you're watching live now or if you're watching again some other time, don't miss this moment. God wants to do something in your heart today. He wants to bless you in the midst of the battle. He may not take away all the pain, but He will give you something far greater, and that is Himself. He wants all of you, and He will give you all of Himself. So come on. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour today, pray this prayer with me. We're all going to pray. Everyone watching, why don't we all pray this prayer together? God, we thank you today that you are who you say you are. We give our life to you again today. We present our life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, Lord. This is our true and proper worship. Have your way in our hearts. God, give us the strength to turn from the sin in our life and hand it over to you. Let the all-consuming fire of the love of God take over our life. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. This is a sensitive moment right now. I feel it. I know God's working. Don't, don't rush past this moment if you're watching online. Right? This is not just a show you're watching. This is God is moving through the screen right now into your living rooms, into your homes. Don't miss what He wants to do today because He wants to continue. Even far long after this service has finished, He wants to continue working in you. And we want to help you on that journey 
and we've got a we've got a gift for you that we want to um, give to anyone that's made that decision today. If this is the first time you've made that decision, or maybe it's the first time in a long time you've been you've followed Jesus before and you've walked away, now you want to come back into that relationship. We want to bless you with the Word because that's what it is. It's the Word of God, who He is. And this is a really cool Bible. It's got funny pictures and not funny, cool pictures in it. And uh, we want to bless you with that. So there's some details on the screen about how you can connect and engage with us. And we want to help you along this. You're climbing the mountain now. You're following Jesus and you're climbing that mountain with him now. And we want to come alongside you and help you climb that mountain together as a community, uh, not as an individual, but as a community. Uh, is that okay? Is that good? You put that in the chat. Say, praise God for uh, his goodness.